Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. I am excited today. So this week, I was in Belize and uh, got to minister and connect with our missionaries there. And so I did Sunday and then flew out early Monday and came back late uh, Thursday. And so I called my friend, Pastor Tim, and uh, I said, guess what you get to do for me? And he's like, what, friend? And I was like, you get to preach for me because I have been doing all week long. And, and let me just say this to you. In just a second, I'm going to give them a really good introduction. Uh, but, but I want to say that anybody who comes and ministers on our stage, we care about their family. We care about their life. We care about their integrity. And there are a lot of people that preach well, but come on, listen, don't live well. And so when we when we put someone here, I want you to know that you teach what you know, but you impart who you are. And so there's an impartation that we believe that's going forth when they communicate. And so anybody that we ask to come, they have been vetted and um, we're excited that they're here. So Pastor Tim and Angela pastor a great church called Jubilee Church. And their whole family is here. In fact, um, Sophie is in Children's Church. Jasmine's over here. Uh, and he's going to introduce his family in just a second. But I would tell you that from time to time, we want to bring in people that emphasize, I mean, I don't feel like I can do it all. And I don't feel like I have to do it all. I just feel like I got to do what God's called me to do. Does that make sense? And so there are things that we are going to bring people in because they have just that anointing on their life. And and I believe that uh, Pastor Tim and Angela have that. And so the five-fold ministry is just incredible. And it all helps the church begin to be equipped. And so we're super excited that they're here. Come on, will you guys put your hands together and give a house welcome to Pastor Tim and Angela. Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house. Amen. And uh, I wanted my wife just to come and just greet you and share whatever's on in her heart. And uh, welcome my wife, Angela. This is Angela. I, I, yeah, I, he's only going to let me talk for this long because it's not my day to preach. So I'm going to try to behave up here. Uh, no, he has a great word he's going to share. But it's an honor. Thank you, Pastor Stephen and Katie. I love you guys. You are true friends. And, um, and they, they help. Tim and I uh, stay straight a lot of times, and what I love is when you have real friends that whether it's going great or whether it's not going so great, that we could pick up the phone and call these two and we could trust them and love them. So we are, it's such an honor to be in your house today. And um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, I was cheating in the beginning and I was looking at live stream at our church. I'm like, it better be good there. They better be having um, But uh, it's such an honor to be here, and we just bless this house. You guys are blessed to be a part of a house that loves the presence of God and that wants you to grow and wants you to become all that God has designed you to be. And um, I just feel that I feel so at home here, and I think that's the goal, right? That's why we call it the house. And uh, so it's such a privilege, so thank you. Um, I know Tim has a great word, and we're honored to be here. So, Amen. 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 
Well, this is my wife of 31 years, so... Uh, and uh, we've got a, a beautiful picture behind us that was taken at our vow renewal. Uh, we just turned uh, 30 years last year, uh, and so we went to... Um, yeah, we went to the best beach. I'm completely biased, uh, but we went to the best beach, uh, I believe, anywhere in the world, Pensacola Beach. So I want to encourage you, come and, and come see us sometime. Amen? And then my beautiful daughter, uh, Jasmine, will you stand up real quick? They, they want to see you. So uh, she's gorgeous. And that's, uh, that's her husband. And then Sophia, uh, once again, she's in our kids' church. And so uh, thank you for welcome, welcoming us. And I told the first service, hey, listen, um, anytime that you start to mistake uh, the lake for a beach, you guys need to come down to Pensacola. I'm sorry, that is not a beach. That's a lake. So uh, feel free to come on down, and, um, and uh, we'd love, love to host you. Come on, will you give the worship team just a big hand? And so thankful for these guys. Very, very talented people, for sure. Um, yeah, so as Pastor Stephen said, we get the, uh, the wonderful privilege of, of um, leading a church called Jubilee. My wife's dad actually found the church uh, actually 37 years ago, uh, and then we took it over about a year and a half ago. And uh, it's, an, it's an amazing place, uh, but I'm also um, uh, very cognizant, very aware that, um, that church is all about people. Amen. Um, it's not about this building, although this building, we got a tour of it yesterday. It's just gorgeous, by the way. Um, but it's about you and I, and, and, and part of the series that you guys have been in, and I've watched all of the messages, have been just incredible. Um, it's all about how do we create mature, how do we create maturity? In other words, how do, we, how do we take the baby bottle out of your mouth and actually get you eating steak? Amen? I did not do that, y'all. I promise you. I'm not even going to touch it. That was good. Can you do that again? So we want to take you from a bottle to steak. I'll just try it. Let me see if this one worked. Yeah, see that? Same thing. Pastor Steven, I love him with all my heart. We were taking a tour yesterday, and uh, I, d I don't know if he was that excited to be back in the building after being gone a week, or he was literally taking pictures for all the things he was seeing around the building that hadn't been done. Um, and so I, I just prayed for the staff members and all the volunteers. And uh, anyhow, once again, you guys have an amazing church, and I'm, I'm anxious to get in the Word of God. Are you excited about the Word of God? Oh, they already got the clock going on me already. I better move. Hey, first service, there was a miracle that happened. I just want to set expectations and, and, and build your faith. There was a miracle. I ended the service with a minute and 12 seconds. So I just want to let you know that was. We don't have two services. We shove as many people in to our service. We have one service because they know that I am the long-winded preacher. And, uh, and my wife, uh, she'll give me the stanky eye from the front row if I'm going too long. Amen? And uh, so I'm not going to look that way. I am not going to look that way. Come on, let's get in the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this, uh, just this atmosphere. Lord, this atmosphere of worship, this atmosphere, Father God, of wanting to give you our very best. And Holy Spirit, I thank you, Father. Will you set our minds, our hearts, our souls fixed on you and you alone? 
Lord, get it off our busy day, our busy week. Father, all the things we got to do today. But God, let the word work on the inside of our souls this morning, God. Lord, my challenge, Lord, our challenge, God, is we want to walk out differently than the way that we came in. Lord, so allow the word to work. Father, I pray for good soil. Lord, let this message fall on, let the seed fall on good soil, God. Lord, I'm not responsible for the results. I'm only responsible, Lord, to throw the seed. So let it fall on good soil, and Lord, I pray let it create, Lord, let it create something incredible in the lives and the hearts and souls of everybody in the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, if you agree, shout amen. 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 Come on, open your Bible to the book of Joshua. Title of my message is, You Must Get Your Feet Wet. And I love, 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 love the book of Joshua. And I don't have time this morning to preach every chapter. But what I do want to do is just give you a quick um, overview so I can get into chapter 3, which is what God laid on my heart to share with you this morning. For you see, Joshua uh, is a, um, it's a bloody book. It's a fighting book. There's, there's a leadership book, by the way, as well. It's, a, it's got incredible leadership stories in it. But make no mistakes about it, that, that what, Joshua, um, what Joshua grabbed, and Pastor Stephen said it best, what, what Joshua grabbed from others, in this case from Moses, was all of what God needed to build on the inside of him. He saw it through another leader, amen? And so in the case of in chapter 1, I'm going to just give you the Cliff Notes version. But basically, it starts out with this, Moses is dead, Okay, good start. Joshua, you're up. You're up. Everything that I've been building, everything I've been teaching you, everything I've been showing in you and through you, through the life of Moses, the leadership of Moses, uh, the heartache of Moses, uh, the sin of Moses, the rebellion of Moses. I mean, just pick a bite. Listen, I tell our church this often. If you think somehow that your sin is that special, that disqualifies you from the plan and the purposes and the promises of God, I got great news for you. Just read your Bible. Hello? It's full of men and women that, that for some reason, if, if, if we were to look on the outside, they would be disqualified. But aren't you glad God looks on the inside? you got to work with me, church. God doesn't care about what your outside looks like. He wants to know what's happening on the what? On the inside. And so he found a leader named Joshua. And in the book, in chapter 1, it talks about Joshua maybe multiple times. God had to repeat himself, aren't you, God, aren't you glad for a patient God? <laughs> when, you are, when you are not patient, God is patient. Hello? I don't know about you, but I am one of the most impatient people, second only to Pastor Stephen. <laughs> the man never stops. He never stops. But God is patient, amen? God, is, actually, I think, it, I, think, I think Cage is actually the patient one to put up with Pastor Stephen. But that's a whole other uh, message right there. But Bible says, meditate on the word, uh, the word day and night. Be strong and be courageous. Learn how to fight. I'm with you. Go take the land. I'm with. And so that's, that's the cliff notes of chapter 1. Jump to chapter 2. Chapter, chapter 2, the, the last few verses says in, in, in verse 23 and 24. And yes, if you think I talk fast, I'm this way all the time. It says, then the two, no comments from the front row. Then the two spies came down from the hill country in verse 23. Crossed the Jordan River. Shout Jordan River. Crossed the Jordan River. We'll talk more about that in a second. And reported to Joshua. 
all that had happened to them. And the Lord has given us this whole land. How much of the land, you guys? He gave us the whole land. Can I just let you, can I just, I spoke this in the first, I want to declare this over this church. Although as, as amazing of a campus as this is, God has given you the whole land. You know, they say that most churches just pull from a, draw a, about a 10-mile radius around your, your, whatever your location is. And that's basically who you can reach. And I just don't believe that. I believe that there's a, there's, a, there's a group of people that are hungry and thirsty, especially young people. I love seeing young faces in the sound of my voice this morning. There's a group of young people, they want to get past all the hypocritical, they want to get past all the smoke and all the mirrors. Hey, nothing against smoke. Nothing against pouring a good cup of coffee. But young people especially, they want to see the power of God. I want to know the God of the Bible that we sing about and that we, we pray. I want to see it manifested in my life. So in other words, if I'm going to take the whole land, I want to see all of God, not just Sunday God. I want to see the, I want to take the whole land. Can I just, can I speak that over this house that Pastor Saban said in the first service that this is just the one campus? But I believe God has so much more. He's given you the land. The land is yours. The land is yours. But wait till we get to chapter three. <laughs> For you see, let me finish this. Um, let me not get ahead of myself. In, in verse 24, it says, The Lord has given us the whole land. They said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. So the only thing standing between them and the promised land that the spies went out and, and discovered is, is ready for the taking. Now keep in mind a little bit of context if you know your Bible. They've been, they've been sitting there for 400 years. 400 years. And the Bible said that, that Joshua basically had to wait till an entire generation of whiners, complainers, people lacking of faith, people that gotten cynical, people that gotten stuck, people that gotten lazy, a generation that, quite frankly, was not willing and, 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 and had the faith to, to take anything other than what they saw in the natural. And so God said, until you die, you will never cross over. Let us not be a house. Let us not be believers that somehow God thinks he has to jump across my generation because I'm unwilling. <sighs> Come on, y'all. I'm, spe I'm, I'm speaking to the, 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 the slightly older crowd in here. Amen? Let me not get so stuck in my ways, put God in a box, that somehow, somewhere he has to look like this in order for God to move. We do it all the time, by the way. We do it all the time. Well, I just worship would go a little longer, go a little short. I wish that she wouldn't jump around on that stage. I wish it, whatever, whatever, I mean, just pick something, amen? And we get stuck. But in verse 2, or in chapter 2, it says, take the land. It's yours. In fact, take the land because they're scared of you. What a great report. But the only problem standing once again between that report and taking of, and, and, and moving is this thing called the Jordan. So let's read about it. Let's go to chapter 3. I'm going to start actually in verse 15. 400 years of slavery, 40 years of wandering around a wilderness, 
And here they are. Joshua 3, verse 15. It was the harvest season. Hey, remember, everything in the Bible is significant. Everything in the Bible, you gotta, you got to read deeper, amen? Just don't read the Bible to punch your little Christian card. Hey, check, I checked the Bible. But actually read the Bible and understand context. It was the harvest season. Big deal. Well, keep reading. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. In other words, God had, had, um, had, had a, gotten them to the place right here. I'm looking at the Jordan in front of me. The only challenge, well, there's multiple challenges. Number one, it's a mile wide. That's a challenge. It runs, maybe the current is somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 50 miles an hour. I don't know about you, but I'm, there's no swimmers that can swim that good across the Jordan. Amen. The bank is full of thickets, and, and there's no way to get across the Jordan. But that is where God told us to go. So um, I, I see where I'm at. Here's my reality. God said I need to be over there, but how in the world is, am I going to get, what, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred thousand people at that point? How am I going to get a couple hundred thousand people across this raging river to get to there. See, the Jordan not only was significant to, the, to these God people then, the Jordan is significant to you and I. It's, it, it's applicable. I'm here in my life. God said, I need to be, or I should be over here. You've, you've given me promises. You've given me words. You've spoken dreams. I got things written down on my phone. I, I, I know where I want to be, but I am right here today. And standing between me and there is something called the Jordan. And it's overflowing. And it's dangerous. And it could kill me. <laughs> so, what do I do? Well, let's go to the Bible. Let's see what God's people did. Go to chapter 1, or verse 1, sorry. It says, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped out before crossing. In fact, the Bible said that, that they were there for three days. How many days? I think that is somewhere in the Bible. Three, 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 three. Oh, yeah, it's actually scattered all through the Bible. Nothing, nothing is insignificant in the Bible. So why three days? Why did God give them instructions to stop, camp, three days, while looking at this raging, flowing river? That's where I want to be. This is where I'm at. And God, you made us camp for three days? Well, I don't know about you, but it's sort of like going on vacation, it takes me at least a day or two to get on vacation mode. Anybody have an amen on that one? Like, like it's like, hurry, 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 hurry. And then literally it takes me like a day or two to go on vacation. And then once I'm on vacation, I'm on vacation. But getting me vacation is, is, is really hard. Well, God actually had a purge. Uh, God had, had, actually had to purge some thinking out of people's lives for three days. He had to purge some of the whining, some of the complaining, some of the lack of it. He actually had to build up their faith a little bit. Because once again, there is no way going over that Jordan River without God's help. And God said, that is yours. Take it. Three days, they camped. 
three days they looked at the opposition, the, uh, the fear factor of what was ahead of them. For three days, <laughs> three days, God, um, God had to provide a way. For you see, this is the amazing thing about my journey and being up here. It's a miracle that I'm here. I didn't grow up in church. Um, I found Christ, quite frankly, because of my wife. Uh, she's a PK. And if you know anything about PKs, they, they either go one or two ways. They either, one, they're on fire for God, know God, love God, want to serve God. Um, or the other way is they want to run as far away from God as possible. Why? Because of all of you. Sorry, Pastor Stephen will come back next week and bring healing. Hey, listen, pastoring churches would be easy if it wasn't for all the people. Can I have an amen? Y'all are hard. Y'all are hard. I tell our church all the time, why, why does your emergency, why does your crisis become my emergency? All right, we better keep moving on. But I didn't grow up in church, and so I found, I found Christ through my wife because of her relationship with Christ. Amen? And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that. But I just know that, that there are going to be things in my life and, and, and circumstances in my, wife, my life and situations that I had, to, I had to learn my own faith. I had to stand on my own two feet. And I believe that's what God was working through these, these bunch of knucklehead uh, men and women that their generation, their, their ancestors died off, but now it's you and Joshua, Right? And here they are, camped out for three days. God working on the inside of them. God purging some things out of them. So how do you get, how do you get through your Jordans? How do you get through the things of where you're at and where you want to go? I, I shared in the first service, my wife uh, experienced uh, breast cancer in 2019. And um, that's a Jordan, amen? If you've ever walked through someone that's got a significant health issue like that, you know, chemo and radiation and, and um, multiple surgeries, I can't tell you how, how much of a, um, uh, how much of a, just walking through and seeing her walk through, but her faith never wavered. She's amazing. She's smoking hot, by the way. Never wavered. And she's doing phenomenal. And we're leading together. And we're, and our church has just doubled over the last year. The growth has just been incredible. But I know that just because God promised something in our life doesn't mean the enemy is just going to say, here you go. Go ahead. Just take it. It's all yours. No. Joshua, remember, Joshua is a, is a bloody book. It's a fighting book. It's a warring book. Because God put that on the inside of you and I. The difference is it's not about me punching somebody or, 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 or fighting somebody in the, in, in the flesh. It's about me learning how to war in the spirit. And I believe God is teaching this church and our church and churches like ours to learn how to war in the spirit. Hey, there is never, there's never a greater time, in, there's never a greater time in the, in the next year for us as a house, for churches, to learn how to war in the spirit than the election cycle. You want to talk about nuttiness? We got to learn how to war in the spirit. We don't fight a war in the flesh. Amen? Amen. Thank you for the three of you that clapped on that one. I was like, our church just, you know, we'll, you know I'll say something. I'll be like, I'm like, guys, that's a golf clap. If you're going to clap, let's clap for Jesus. Amen? So 
So let's go to verse 4. Verse 4 said, since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you. In other words, we're going to hear about who the they is. But God, God knew ahead of time that he needed to provide some guidance, some, some, some imperatives, as I call it, some must-dos to this group of people. And so I got three simple ones for you. My prayer is you take notes this morning and go back and, and rehearse them and review them and, and get them into your soul. Three quick things I believe that every believer, every person actually, in the sound of my voice can apply to your life. They're practical. I like practical. I want to walk out of a, of a service. I want to walk out with something that I can, I can chew on, I can apply to my life. So you ready? Here they go. Three things that God said to his people in order to go from here to there. Remember, Jordan is, is between that. The first thing that, that they said is, you ha- the first thing I want you to write down is we must follow the presence of God. Got to follow the presence of God. In verse 2, it says, Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move. Somebody shout, Move. Move out from your positions and do whatever you want. Watch Netflix. Binge watch whatever your favorite show is and don't come to church on Sunday because you stay up too late on Saturday night. I know that never happens. I'm just talking about our church. Somehow let your kids' sports teams become your God. Pastor Stephen, it was good knowing you. I, I don't know if I'm... Come on, y'all. No, the Bible said, the Bible said, move and follow. Isn't that what that said? It says, move out. Let's look at that last verse. Move out from your positions and follow them. Follow who? Follow the priest. What's the priest significant? What's significant about that? They're carrying the presence of God. In other words, move and follow the presence of God. Don't move and follow Tim. Don't move and follow Pastor Stephen, although he's incredibly gifted and talented. But I want to move and follow the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to do it in my life. I want to do it in my marriage. By the way, I want to do it with my kids. Hello? I survived one child. She's 23, married. Not too long ago, I, 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 uh, she was like, hey, Daddy, um, what we, I think it was like a car or something. Her car was acting up, and, and uh, she's like, hey, Daddy, are you going to buy me a new car? And, um, and I'm like, no, nope. see that guy sitting right there? I said, he's your money man right there. <laughs> I got to survive another, I got to survive an 11-year-old. I'm a girl dad. Are there any girl dads in the house? All right, we got to pray for you guys. Anyhow, I love my girls. I love my girls, but I know that I have, to, I have to make sure that I follow the presence of God in every area of my life. My 11-year-old came downstairs um, not too long ago, and, um, and she's, she loves uh, taking videos. Uh, she loves videoing herself. She'll be in the kitchen, or, or she was doing makeup uh, last night, um, and, uh, and she's in there videoing herself, and she's like, hey, guys, welcome back. I'm thinking, who are you talking to? Like, what guys are you talking about? 
And so she sits there and records herself. Um, and she did this uh, a few months ago. She came back downstairs, um, and uh, my wife and I were in the kitchen. We were talking. She's like, hey, Mommy and Daddy, guess what I did? I just recorded a video. We're like, oh, okay, because she does this often. You know, oh, well, that's great, that's great. And um, I created a, a YouTube channel called Pretty Girl. You did what? Yeah, I created a, a, a YouTube, my own YouTube channel, and it's called Pretty Girl. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, how can every pedophile be on that YouTube channel as, as quickly as she posts videos? So, of course, as every good parent did, um, we immediately uh, said, take it down. Delete that account, and that won't happen again. Can I, just, can I just let you know, moms and dads, we're not, called to be our par- we're not called to be our kids' best friends. Are you with me? I'm, 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 not, I'm not called to somehow um, uh, kowtow to my, although I love my, gar- my girls, I'm not called to somehow kowtow to their wish list, their want list, and all the things that they want to do. What I'm called to do is follow the presence of God and parent them. Amen. All the young people are like, can you move to point two? <laughs> hey, listen, there is a spirit right now of not wanting to make things black and white. It's permeating, it's permeating the church house. I mean, it's coming from culture, of course. There's this unwilling for us to confront sin, for us to confront um, craziness. I'm just telling them I'm going to do it in love, and it's going to start in my house. If I'm not willing to parent my house, then how in the world is God ever going to give it? Yeah, me too. Me too. God, how is God ever going to allow me to parent people, shepherd people? Amen? So the first thing that we have to do, we have to pursue God's presence. Verse 4 actually talked about if you're going to pursue God's presence, it's interesting. The Bible said, make sure you stay back a half a mile. Why is that important? Remember, there's no detail in the word that it's not insignificant. Why? Because the person in the very back, the person that is the least likely, maybe somehow, someway, they are physically unable, unable, spiritually unable, emotionally unable to, to be at the front, they're still there. Hey, listen, Pastor Stephen said it best in the rally this morning. You never know who's coming through those doors. We had a young lady not too long ago, uh, very put together, um, probably uh, mid-30s, mid-40s, I don't know how old she was, came in our service, um, sat in the very back, uh, and never seen her before. And I preached, amazing message, best message ever, at least I thought it was. And right when we have the altar call, hey, listen, we, we don't do altar calls with light, lights dim and text the number one, two, three, four, five if you want to get saved. No, no, no. Lights are up. Do you want to get saved? Then you're going to come down front and meet me down front. Amen? That's how we do it. I just, hey, that's just. So anyhow, we had the church stand up, um, and she bolted out the door. One of our uh, security team, one of our, 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 our men and women, they just, they, she left abruptly. They knew that. Something was wrong. Um, and so they said, hey, is everything okay? And, I, and I'm not going to say who it was. Um, is everything, uh, well, uh, maybe, no, no, no. Well, let, me, let, me, let us at least pray for you. Boom, right there. Tears start just flowing down our tears, uh, flowing down our eyes. In the foyer, not at the altar, ministry is still happening. Amen? And then she confessed. She said, listen, she opened her purse. And she said, I have a 
loaded 357 in my purse. And I was getting ready to walk out these doors and go use it and commit suicide. Thank you. You never know who's coming through those doors. Following Sunday, guess who was the first at the altar? She was. Amen? So just because she was a half a mile back from the ark, we didn't leave her behind. Amen? Don't leave people behind because they don't look like you. They don't smell like you. I can't believe Pastor Steve would allow that person in this church. Hey, listen, I just believe in the power and the grace of God. If he did it for me, why can't he do it for her? Why am I the judge and the jury of someone's soul? Hello? I want those doors to be busted open. I said in the first service that I keep speaking this into our house. I believe hopefully one day, by faith, that there's going to be a church service in which you will not be able to sit down because all the people coming through the doors, they will take your seat. Amen? The problem is... The problem is with church folk that have been here for years, and our church has been around for 37 years, they get this, they get this itis. You know what itis is, all right? This is my seat itis. How dare you take my seat? I've been sitting in this same seat for two, for two years, and you are in my seat? I, it's a true story. True story. Like, like, like all you S personalities people, like, like you just like everything just very predictable, no change in your life. You will sit in the same exact seat every single place you go. Restaurants, church, wherever you may be. So what do I do as the perfect leader? I change up the seating in our house. I rearrange and scramble all the chairs so they don't know where their seat went. And it just blows their mind. Why? Because I don't want them following and pursuing a chair. I want them following and pursuing the presence of God. Amen? All right, come on, point number two. I got to hurry. Seven minutes on the clock. I'm going to ignore it for this service, by the way, so don't worry. Pastor Stephen said, no worries. Lunch is provided on him right outside those doors. So come on, let's go with number two, you guys. Number two. Purify yourself, verse 5. It says, then Joshua, once again, he's given instructions. First instruction was what, you guys? Move. Follow the presence of God. Second instruction that God gave Joshua to give to the people. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. I am, uh, warning, I am going to step on your toes. All right? Thank you, I will. Purify yourselves, for tomorrow... Purify yourselves today for, purify yourselves today for, to, purify, purify yourselves for the Lord. Mm. The Lord will do great wonders among you. That's the condition. Hey, this gospel is full of these kind of conditions. If this, then that. Hello? We all want the blessing. Oh, we want the rain. We want the fresh oil. We want whatever else. We want shababa and, and, and shimmy, shimmy, shimmy and goose. But I want, all, I want all that too. But in this case, God is saying purify yourself. What? 
Are you telling me that I won't see the wonders of God unless I purify myself? Actually, the Bible says in Romans 8 that, the, that God actually hates your flesh. <laughs> it just says it a little bit different. That's Tim's version. But basically, it says that if you somehow think your flesh is big and great and worthy, the Bible says it will not please God. Can I just, can I just tell you, your flesh doesn't please God. You may be gifted, you may be talented, you may have a, a amazing degrees on the wall, you may be able to play a worship instrument, you may be able to, whatever you do, you may run a company, you may be the CEO, you may be the richest man, richest woman in the room. Praise God, thank you. Give generously, amen? But your stinky flesh doesn't please God. Amen? It doesn't please God. And so in that moment, Joshua, under the command of the Lord, he's following the presence of God. He said, you got to do two things. One, we got to follow. When they move, we move. When the ark moves, we move. The second thing that you must do today, right now, because tomorrow God's going to show up. And God's going to do great wonders that you are going to see. He said, purify yourself. Hey, listen, this is the uncomfortable part of our walk with God. That nothing, listen to me. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits in your soul. Everything that flows out of your mouth, it starts with a lie. Lies turn into actions. Actions form habits. And it's just vicious cycle. But it all starts with you believing a lie about you. We, spit, we, we, we do something called Freedom Weekends in our church. And we, taught, we take groups of men and women through this. And we teach about this. That in order to change your actions, in order to change your habits, in order to change um, things that you're thinking, your words coming out of your mouth, you must put truth in you. You have to put truth in you. In other words, if you are addicted to alcohol, if you're addicted to drugs, if you have a pornography, if you're addicted to lying, cheating, stealing, if you're addicted to cheating on your wife or your husband, whatever it may be, then that is somehow, someway, that is a lie that's been planted in your soul. Amen? That I'm not worthy. She'll never fulfill me. That I have to, fa- I have to chase a counterfeit. That somehow, someway, I need to be able to be medicated. Hello? Hey, I don't need your testimony. I'll give you mine. I have the incredible gift of flesh. It's called compartmentalize. God's had to break that out of me. That somehow this part of my life, uh, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to compartmentalize that in order for me to put on my church face and be all things to all people, but yet I'm not, I'm not purifying this part of my life. That's not God. He didn't put any asterisks beside that. The Bible said, purify yourselves. So I'm speaking to a room here this morning. Everybody in the sound of my voice, everybody has something to be purified of. Habits, mindsets, movies you watch, music. Hey, listen, if I grab your iPhone, your Android, whatever device you listen, if I grab that, I guarantee you I can tell you the words that come out of your mouth based on what you are consuming, what you're chewing on, what you're feeding. Oh, it's just music. Hey, listen. I think the Bible talks about the devil is, <laughs> he, is, he controls, or at least he thinks he does. He controls it. Hey, listen, he's, he's into anything that you try to put into your mind that will somehow pollute you. 
God says to these people, purify yourselves. How much more should that mean to the house church today? Listen, the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God says, don't, listen to me, God says, don't touch that water until you purify yourself. Don't do it. Purify yourself. Young people, look at me. Purify yourself. Purify yourself. Yeah, but Tim, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what I've had to walk through just to, just to come, just to be in this church. I get it, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had to walk through that trauma. I'm sorry you had to walk through tragedy, whatever it may be. But listen, God said purify yourself. Everyone, no one's exempt. Are you listening to me? Whether you're an elder, whether you're a pastor, whether today's your first day at this church, purify yourselves. Why? For tomorrow. For tomorrow. So in other words, I got to make choices and decisions today in order to set things in motion for tomorrow. If I'm not willing to make, if I'm not willing to purify myself, I know this is hard. So this is not a shouting part of the message, but I'll get back to that part. If I'm not willing to purify myself today, then I'll never see tomorrow. I'll still be stuck on the shores. I'll still be on this side of the Jordan. But I want to be on that side. Purify yourself. Shout it. Say purify yourself. Come on, look at your neighbor so you quit looking at me with, his, with those eyeballs. Look at your neighbor and say, purify yourself. Now, that doesn't, make, doesn't it make it feel good? Get it off of you, right? Hey, look at your other neighbor and, point your, and just point your and say, purify yourself. All right, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. Some of y'all are taking it way too far. Come on, let's go to point number three because I am officially almost out of time. Here we go. Verse 13, come on, you guys. Last, last one. So number one, you got to uh, follow the presence of God. Got to move, amen? Number two, number two, we have to purify ourselves. Number three is we must get our feet wet. <laughs> got to put your feet in the water. Let's see what the Bible says in verse 13. It says, the priest, <clears throat> the priest will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon. Do you underline things in your Bible? Underline that. As soon, as soon as their feet touch the water, woo, here's the good part. As soon as they move, as soon as they, they use their faith, as soon as they, they get their eyes off of their circumstances and their situations and where they've been for the last 440 years, as soon as they move, God said the flow of the water will be cut off upstream. Upstream. In other words, it's not right here. God is going to cut the water upstream. So that means everything that I struggle with, God has already cut the water off upstream because I've purified myself and I'm following the presence of God and I'm willing to take a step. Amen? Let's keep reading. And so the people... Actually, let me just finish this. The flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. Verse 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, 
and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they went ahead of them. It was the harvest season. The Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priest, oh, underline that, you guys. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away, a town called Adam. If I had time to preach this morning, isn't that an interesting name of the town? You should go do a study on that. Why did God, uh, can, can I just take a couple more minutes? All right, good. Why did God choose a town called Adam to rescue a people to back the water up all the way in order to prove that God is sovereign? Woo! Man, I, get, I just get excited about the word of God. Like, God, why did you, why a town called Adam? Read your Bible, you guys. Do a little, do a little research, Amen. A town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Verse 17, meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on what kind of ground? Follow the presence of God. Purify yourselves. And you will stand on dry ground. Don't get that out of order. Hey, 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 hey. Some of y'all are, I'm going to help God. Some of y'all are Holy Spirit Junior. You get impatient, you don't want to wait, and you move. God didn't tell you to move. God told you to wait. When he says move, move, amen? And when you do, when, God, when you follow God's leading, how do I follow God's leading? Ask him. Open up your ears, your spiritual ears, Amen? And then when you do, you're going to cross dry ground. So whatever that Jordan was in your life, you name it. Financial, physical, spiritual, your work, your, uh, your, uh, your, your, your kids, whatever it may be. You're going to cross dry ground when you follow the process of God. Hey, listen, we get out of trouble when we go outside of the design of God. Had a couple not too long ago. Uh, they were in my office and they were wanting marriage counseling and, and they're gonna want, they want to get married. And I'm like, praise God. Uh, so tell me a little bit about ourselves. Well, we've been living together for four years. I'm like, interesting. Um, and uh, so tell me about the four years. And I, I knew what the answer was because I know these guys. Oh, it's been pure hell. Chaos. He's cheated on me. She's cheated on him. I've been addicted to crack. I've had financial issues. I lost my job. Da, 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 da. And I said, hey, listen, can I just let you know something? That when you do things outside of the design of God, God never told you to shack up for four years. God told you to enter into a covenant marriage and do it God's way. And when you do it God's way, God will bless. Amen? I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. But it's going to be in order. God is a God of order. Amen? So God is never gonna, God's never gonna bless your mess. In other words, if you want, if you want to pursue the promises of God to cross over the Jordan, then you and I, we have to make sure we do it God's way. Hello? Young people, if you want to see the hand of God move in your life, do it God's way. Follow God. Don't follow your flesh. Don't follow your flesh. Let me wrap up. Three things. Follow his presence. Purify yourself and put your feet in the water. Have courage, in other words. Have faith. Hey, listen, you and I will never get to where God's promised us unless we get our feet wet. The Bible says faith without works 
or works without faith, it's dead. Amen? In other words, God has to have something to work with. If all you are going to do is, is sit down spiritually, if all you're going to do is just sit down, and this is going to be your posture, I'll just wait right here. God, you know my heart. I'm just going to wait right here. If you can do it, you'll do it. If you're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. I'm not moving until you move, God. Well, that posture may get the attention of God because he's sovereign. But oftentimes, I said in the first service, that if we want something, what I've discovered in my life, if I go and help somebody else, if I go minister to somebody else, if I go um, sow into somebody else's life, it's amazing how God has been faithful to give back to me. I don't do it to get. I do it because it's a biblical principle. So can I just speak to all the, the moms and the dads in the room that if you have, and, and there was this young man that I got a chance to uh, pray over for the first service. If you have a young person that is running from God, they don't know Jesus, they're on the street, they're addicted, whatever, whatever the situation may be, then pour into somebody else's child. Find a young person that you can pour into. Find someone else that is lost, and I guarantee you that what you do for others, God will do for you. Amen? What you and I do for others, God will do for me. So in other words, if you have a financial need, if you're struggling in your business, you're an entrepreneur, or you want to be an entrepreneur, but the Jordan is way out there. In other words, you have in your phone, in your, in your, in your journal book, I've prayed over it, but God, I'm right here. I've gotten weary. I've gotten tired. I don't pray as much as I used to pray. I don't believe as much as I used to pray. I don't, I don't think about it anymore because I'm just weary. I know what you said is over there, but I'm right here. I'm just telling you guys, if you'll go and mow somebody's yard, and pour into somebody else. God may just give you the revelation, the wisdom while mowing a yard about how you step into the business that God's called you to do. I know this is really practical. It's not incredibly deep, but I'm telling you, it's oftentimes the simple things that we don't apply as believers. And so what we'd rather do is we'd rather complain. We'd rather sit right here. I know, God, what you said is over there. I'd rather sit right here and complain about all the reasons why I can't do it. I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm taking my size 13. Sorry, Pastor Stephen. I'm taking my size 13, and I've just given you a swift kick on the backside. Amen? I don't want you stuck. I don't want you to be a part of the woulda and the shoulda and the coulda crowd. Do you know those guys? Well, I would have done this, or I should have done this, or I could have done this, but you don't know my story. You're right, I don't know your story. But I guarantee you that your story is not that special. I'm sorry. Your sin and, and all the things, all the, all the drama that you've walked out of, it's horrible. I get it. But you're not that special. How do I know that? Because look in your Bible. If you want to talk about the most, if you want to talk about the most, um, Quite frankly, the least likely people that God would talk about in his word, pick up a Bible character. Cheaters, liars, stealers, adulterers. Just name it. I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope. God, if you can use those men and those women, God, you can use me. I am a living proof of that. God, if you can do it for him, Lord, you can do it for me. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.